Hey everybody, this is Josh McKinney, and I just want to welcome you to episode 45 of the I Suck at Jiu-Jitsu show. Now, I was running behind this whole week. I really uh, had something good for Suck Less Saturday for you guys, and had a migraine all day Saturday and was not able to record it, and so you guys didn't get to Suck Less on a Saturday. Uh, I apologize for that, but as as I love to do to make it up to you guys, I worked on my website for pretty much two days straight and didn't sleep, which is probably why I got a migraine on Saturday. And it is up and it is live now. And so it's official. BJJSucks.com is now owned and live, owned by Josh McKinney and live right now. So you guys should check out the new website. Uh, you can check out past episodes of the podcast. You can get on the blog. I made my first blog post. Actually, it's my second blog post ever, but my first blog post ever on that uh, on that site. And most importantly, I, as I've told you guys, am giving away the Triangle Escape Plan totally free. All you have to do is go to bjjsucks.com slash triangle or just go to bjjsucks.com and click on the triangle escape plan uh it is a 10 minute system that i teach you guys how to never get finished in the triangle again and so um definitely worth checking out like i said that is bjjsucks.com slash triangle but today i have something really cool i have my former kids coach my it guy my uh the, the man who manages, teaches, and um, runs the Jerseyville location of Head Nod, which is my my gym, and uh, is one of my best friends, uh, Logan Wayne. Logan is a brown belt under me, and I thought it would be really cool to do an episode with Logan because um, a big comment that I got from a lot of people was that they loved to see the coach-student relationship between Kyle and I, Kyle being my coach. Well, you get to see the other side of it in this. Um, Logan and I also have a really good, really cool relationship. And uh, I've been sitting on this one for a little bit for probably almost a month now because I wanted to release it when we were kind of doing um, some of the mental health uh, awareness in May. And Logan, we talk about this, uh, has battled depression and um, has just had a war with mental health and has used jujitsu and surrounding himself with the right people to combat that. And also being really, really trained in it too. And we get really deep into that and um, also just deep into what it's like running a school, what's different about it. Because, I mean... I've always here for guidance for Logan. He always is really good about asking questions, but like Logan runs that school from top to bottom. He, um, I mean, if I was not around, it wouldn't change a thing really. I, I, you know, I'm not up there. I go up there uh, once a month to teach and hang out with everybody. But besides that, Logan runs that place top to bottom and does an excellent job. And uh, really, I would say one of the biggest things that he does um better than maybe anybody that I know uh, is maybe I wouldn't say better than anybody I know because actually a lot of the people that I really respect have this quality Uh, but he is a he asks questions Um, he never and we talk about it in the podcast uh, he talks about how you don't always have to have the answer to everything and uh, that's I I wish I could share with you guys uh, just some of the messages that I get from Logan on a weekly basis just about the direction of the gym, the direction of some of our other projects and stuff. And uh, it's just a really good question asker. And so it was really cool to get to sit down and talk with him uh, for a little bit, for about an hour and be a kind of face to face because it was over Skype. And so uh, uh, it was nice to get to do that when you don't get to see as many familiar faces right now as normal. But without further ado, here is the episode. I hope you guys enjoy it. How are you doing, Logan? Not too bad, considering uh, how everything is. Yep, we're 
kind of just hanging out. So what a perfect time to record a podcast, right? I agree. What else are you going to do? <laughs> so um, how's your day been? What have you been doing today? Oh, man. Uh, today I got up, went for a little walk, and then had a little meeting with my other work job while my kid was taking a cooking class and almost burnt down the kitchen at the uh, house. <laughs> All so right. That was, that was fun. And then uh, went for another walk to try to burn off some nervous energy. And now we're talking. All right. Which which kid was it that almost burnt down the house? Uh, Lila. Okay. Okay. I wasn't sure. I was thinking, man, Ruby's a little bit young to be taking cooking classes, isn't she? <laughs> she can't reach all the knobs. That's almost burning down the house. No. Yeah. <laughs> that was the older one. Okay. Okay. So you have two daughters, both of which do jujitsu, correct? Yes. Both do jujitsu. And how old are they? Uh, Lila is 12 and Ruby will be seven uh, on the 14th of April. So happy birthday early. Happy birthday. So today's my mom's birthday. Thanks for mentioning it, Logan. Happy birthday, Jen. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I'll be sure to tell her. I'll be sure when, you know, when this comes out a month from now, she'll be like, you sound ridiculous because today is not my birthday. You know? Yeah. You, you you, yeah. Not not really the <clears throat> type of person that is uh, is pleased with things. So uh, but back to it. Your daughters are both training jujitsu. Have you had just looking at it, just because we kind of brought them up, have you had any um, troubles with them in training? Has it been hard for you as the instructor of a gym um, to kind of keep them training? Um, hmm. To keep them training, no. To keep them listening to me, yes. Uh, it, it's, a, it's a hard boundary to uh, not blur between being coach and dad, especially at the gym, since, you know, we spend family time up here when nobody else is here. So they kind of feel like it's their space, too. And, uh, you know, they want to help a lot more sometimes than maybe they should or mm -hmm. that I'm comfortable with. But, uh, yeah, they, they do come up and train. Uh, they do like to play sometimes. It does get to be old habit. And, you know, at certain times it's not cool or whatever reason. But, mm -hmm. Somewhat consistently, yes. Okay. So for them, um, what was kind of your reason for wanting them to get into jujitsu? Mm, man, that's a, that's a good question. Let's see. Probably the main reason, uh, I wanted them to have a sense of uh, self-reliability. Uh, mm -hmm. They say it's really important uh, to have that skill, uh, just as a, a little background story for your listeners, I have two daughters. Yes, they were both adopted internationally. Uh, so they're not my biological children, but they are my kids 100%. Um, and when we were going through the adoption process, you have to take some training to be a parent and all kinds of uh, check boxes to check, if you will. And one of the things I kind of got into a lot was like the idea of the psychology behind adoptees and adopted people. And mm -hmm. one of the big things they say is like for them to have the ability to rely on themselves. And they gave examples of uh, learning how to swim because it's a self-reliant skill that will help you survive in a time of stress. Mm -hmm. And of course, being a jujitsu guy, I instantly equated that to, well, they need to learn this then too. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And so um, for that kind of just stepping back a little bit before this, what got you to try out jujitsu? What was your reason behind that? Uh, like everybody else, man, UFC one, two, and three, <laughs> uh, I, I'm one of the older, old school guys, I guess. Uh, so when those came out, I, I watched them on a rerun somewhere and was like, man, that looks cool. And had to drive 45 minutes to St. Louis to train with a burger guy, uh, at one of the boxing gyms. His name was Dan Schaefer Cotter, really cool guy. Uh, and I got there and got beat up by some dude that was about my size. And I was like, yep, got to learn how to do this. Uh-huh. And so what year would that have been? Let's see. I started jujitsu 2006. Yeah, so you, 2006. So you start 2006. Um, you were training for how long before you started training with Kyle? Oh, man. Before I tried, started training with Kyle, probably three years. Okay. Uh, I was one of those like knucklehead guys that was like, I couldn't, well, I mean, I just couldn't find anybody that was like legit at the time uh, that was doing geese stuff.
Nogi, of course, because it was brand new. Nobody knew anybody that did it. I mean, you either trained at Voggies in St. Louis or you didn't. Mm -hmm. uh, I couldn't train there because of how far away I live. So found this place was closer and uh, had to train Nogi. And it was like, oh, you know, the belts, you know, who cares? It's, you know, if you know how to defend yourself, whatever. But it's one of those things I sort of had one of those epiphany moments of like, I need to share this with others. And I can't really share this with others if I don't have a certain level of legitimacy, I guess you could call mm -hmm. it, uh, and be able to acknowledge that skill in others as well. So okay. two, yeah, the two years or three years before I found Kyle, and I had found Kyle before, I just was on the fence of going there because I'm not a, I'm not a big fan of Kyle. I, and, and yeah, totally Kyle. <laughs> no, I was just concerned about like the type of personality I would run into at the hit squad at the time. Mm -hmm. And Luckily, I turned out to be really wrong on my first read of it and found out there were a lot of cool guys there and really built a lot of good relationships with a few of you long lasters that have made it. Of course, of course. And man, that is, um, you know, when we started, you know, you started with the well, not you didn't start, but you started training in the gi at the same place that I started training, um, which was the hit squad. And that was a big, beautiful MMA facility. And it was very intimidating because you know obviously matt hughes's name was on the door um you had robbie lawler training there you had um quite Dude, a brian, few guy brian foster do you remember him mm -hmm. i watched I him pull himself up upside down from one of those like long ropes hanging from the ceiling like pulling himself yes. up feet first i'm like oh i am so screwed here i'm there's no way uh -huh. there's savages mm -hmm. and so yeah you're dealing with you know you're seeing the pro mma class with all these um, guys that are on the Ultimate Fighter at the time. Um, you have still to this day really good UFC fighter Neil Magny um, was one of the guys we got to train with. Uh, Neil was not an intimidating guy, such a just overly nice guy. Really like yeah. Neil. Very um, quiet. Yes, and then you had uh, you know so it was just very intimidating um, for somebody because you just don't know, and I, I'm sure people still deal with that when they first come into a, a gym, you know, you're going to a place where if what they're saying is true, everybody there could kill you and yeah. you're going to let them get close to doing it and somehow learn that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those, uh, the way I always looked at it was like, you find out really, really quickly if it's for you, it's one of those, like, this is either the best decision I ever made or the worst idea I ever had to try to do jujitsu. Mm -hmm. And I think, uh, and I think for most of us, we probably consider it as one of the best decisions that we've ever made. You know, most days there are days where it's like, oh god, this hurts so bad. Of but course, yeah, I wouldn't trade it for anything. Of course. So then, you know, you're training with Kyle. Kyle leaves the hit squad and he moves to. Um, his, you know, his location, not the location that he's at now, but he moves to downtown under, facility. Yeah. Yeah. And he moves to Watson martial arts. He's under, you know, his own name at this point. Um, and you follow, correct? I try to, I try really hard, but again, the whole concept of like where I worked at the time and how I worked, I was traveling internationally, uh, actually going to Brazil, like for two weeks, every quarter out of the year and uh working odd hours so it just made it hard to get to kyle's to train so i basically took i want to say like a five-year hiatus uh mm -hmm. from jujitsu made it i made it to blue belt with two stripes and then just could not consistently string like three days of training together at all uh-huh and that like um you know people call it the blue belt blues but you know like whatever reason you have a child you um, get married, you move, you do something, and it and it gives you um, this reason not to train. And in my opinion, in jujitsu, that is the hardest thing. Just from what I've watched, that is the hardest thing for people to overcome. Is you know, once you're out of it, you know you're going to come back. You know, white belts are going to beat you up, and it is this really. Um, it's just a really tough thing. I, obviously, it's easier not to. Exactly. And, and jujitsu can, can kind of check your ego, but nothing checks your egos more than when you used to be better at it, you mm -hmm. know? And so for you, what brought you back? Uh, two things. You guys opened up right around the time uh, I could bring Lila, who was six years old, I think. Um, 
and I guess maybe a third thing, a, a good friend of mine who had trained with me uh, in the beginning, Keith Steinocker had gotten promoted to purple belt, which was obviously a higher belt than me. And part of it was like, man, you know, if I had kept training, I could be, why did I quit? You know, I really enjoyed it. It just made me take a hard look at myself. And with you guys opening and Lila being about the right age, it kind of was like, well, I can kind of use Lila as my gateway drug to get back on the full dose of jujitsu for myself, you know? Uh -huh. And you guys, and luckily for me, you guys were willing to like, let me come on and help kind of with the kids class, just kind of keep the chaos. Cause you were, I mean, if we were all being honest here, you guys were kind of a little green at it too. Oh <laughs> so my it gosh. sort of worked out. I'm a uh, dude. There is not a kid's class that I have taught that I'm still not over my head on. Oh, I'm telling you. And you <laughs> so it's so easy for it to get away so quickly. There's days where I'm like, well, oops. So yeah. So here's my, here's my rule. Just as a side note, my rule when dealing with kids, this is not just kids classes. Um, I, uh, will help with like vacation Bible school at my church and I will tell the people that are with me, okay, this is how it works. You have good kids and bad kids. The bad kids are all you're going to notice. And when you're dealing with bad kids, you win or they win. Okay. Once you lose, just cut your losses. You lost. And for example, what they will, will, will always happen is you know, the bad kids, they're great at getting under your skin, figuring something out and messing with you as an adult. They get inside your head and then you get angry. Okay, now you got angry, you lost. Mm -hmm. Don't it's, focus on it because they, they won. Okay, yeah. you won one game. Now we'll play the next. It's all psychological warfare, especially about like maybe Ruby's a little advanced, but uh -huh. I would say about five years old. Well, probably before that, at three years old, she outwitted me with us. With she wanted to take a nap, I didn't want her to. So she's like, "Let's play hide and seek." I went <laughs> and did, and I, I I counted to thirty in my head. I'm like, "Nah, no." <laughs> Walked out, and she was asleep on the couch. I'm like, "Ah, she got me. She got me." Yeah, she she'll she'll do that <laughs> to me when I'll come up to Jerseyville and uh, and teach her something. She'll question something about like you know what I'm showing or what rank I am, and I'll be like, "Oh." Okay, I, I guess maybe I'm not important. Yeah. I forget. Yeah, I guess I guess you're the boss here, huh? I, I forgot. Oh um, man. But uh, but back to it. You start training again. You are um, you're a two stripe blue belt when you start training. Mm -hmm. And um, man, that was back in the olden days when we used to do stripes. How how ridiculous. Um, but we you know so you're back then you start training and you like you kind of mentioned you come on with us as a um you know helping us with the kids classes um you know Lila's training you're now training and um what was kind of that initial transition like for you um it was stressful because Lila is quite a bit like me she can get easily distracted and uh she could talk herself out of something pretty quickly like if uh something's too difficult. She's like, well, you know, I'll just do something else instead of this. So mm -hmm. trying to keep her convinced that it was her idea to keep coming to jujitsu uh -huh. was probably uh, the more difficult task, I think. Uh, yeah. But then it was, it was a sense of like, I had to change my mental perspective of like you were saying with the ego. Yeah. I, I was getting tapped by, there's some like real athletic guys that come out of the HQ gym. Um, <laughs> you have, you have a huge shark tank that, you know, you guys built up over those first like three years of with mm -hmm. the competition team and, and getting it going. I mean, yeah, being tapped out by white belts was not, I kind of expected it, but having it happen was one of those like acknowledgements of like, all right, how can I get better? And looking at new ways, it's like uh, not using a tap as a, as an objective or a goal to meet it's, surviving this or getting out of that or using something for the first time and having it click and work, you know, or mm -hmm. finding the B, the B side of a, a sweep or a submission. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think I always call it like, um, uh, you know, what is winning? That's what I always ask people. And so like sometimes for people winning is getting a submission, right? But a lot of times as you get better, you know, winning becomes different things, you know, for guys, you know, as you get older, you know, you don't feel as good. Winning is just showing up and being on the mat, right? Yeah. People ask me all the time, like, Logan, are you going to compete again when your body's back to a hundred percent? And, uh, the answer is maybe I might just because I, 
it's fun to kind of put myself in that that scary mental headspace because I do like to I, I do let myself get complacent and comfortable a lot, uh-huh. and to get myself outside of that is always good. But I mean, you know, I, I have high school wrestlers that come up here and like just just being thirty eight, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> going to be thirty nine this year, and and not getting tapped, just surviving. Man, that's that's competing and winning in my book. I mean, uh-huh. they don't they don't get tired, bro. I do. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that that's a really important thing to to really get across to people is jujitsu is different for everybody, right? Uh, we all have different goals, different intentions. Of if your intention was like, man, I want to, you know, at 39 years old, become a black belt and win an adult world title. Well, then we'd be like, oh, gosh, we got to do some, you know, we need to talk a little bit more. Yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. And so but I think that that's a fun goal for some people to have, right? Certain people to have. But for most people, we just want to train and enjoy jujitsu, you know, um, whether it, you know, use it to improve different parts of our lives. Uh, that's all we want to do with it. Uh, I, I would one up you and say, especially now that like I have affiliated with you guys and we have the school up here, it's not just me being better. It's helping other people be better, you know, becoming the iron that other people sharpen themselves against is a, a really cool and unique experience it, it, for me anyway, because I'm still relatively new at it. Mm-hmm, that is true. And so you just went way spoilers on the oh, podcast, sorry, sorry. but now we'll get to the point where, you know, you, it was kind of, it was kind of always agreed on that, you know, Hey, Logan is going to help us with our kids program. He's going to help us as an assistant coach. And then eventually he's going to, you know, um, get into his cocoon and then fly off like a majestic butterfly into Jerseyville and start his own place. Well, um, the opportunity uh, came about, you know, a, probably a year and a month ago, um, to where we were, um, able to partner together and open head nod Jerseyville. And, um, you guys just celebrated your one year anniversary yesterday. Yeah. It wasn't the bash that we were hoping for mainly because, um, we are in the middle of the pandemic still and are not able to uh, be doing anything, <laughs> be at the gym. But when we are able to come back, we will have a bash for it. But in that year, okay, in that first year of running a school, do you have anything that you picked up that you feel like you didn't expect or you just didn't know was going to be something that would happen? Hmm. Man, that's a tough question because it's like, yeah, there's all kinds of like s- silly little nuances of uh, mm, remembering to turn down the uh, heat at night so that you don't have a high utility bill, you know, because you only yeah. operate for one hour every other day. Yes, yes. Uh, you know, things things like that, making sure that you have enough toilet paper because during class you don't want to run out, you know. Yep. Um, let's see. I guess I, I was very fortunate that you know, you and uh, your dad were kind of partners up with me, partnered up with me on this. And I was able to basically utilize all of the infrastructure that we had built at HQ over the first three, four years. And so it was a a soft transition of like, we didn't have to figure out how to record attendance, how to, you know, add members, how to collect payments, all those things. They were all ready to go. Um, Mm -hmm. I guess the, this might sound a little silly, but I guess the the, the biggest thing I, I've learned, uh, and I've been a manager before and a leader at, at business uh, at other companies, but it, never so much in a large group as like at a gym and other adults being seen as more of like a, a mentor figure or, you know, someone who sought out to help someone with problems that they're having to work things out. Like almost like, a, I guess, a, a minister or a pastor would be not not mm-hmm. to compare myself to that per se, but just to be seen as like uh, someone who has wisdom, I guess. Yeah. And what have you taken away from that? What have you kind of maybe either realized was different than you thought it might be as that mentor figure or um, just any tips that you would have for somebody that maybe is getting into that situation? Uh, the, the tip I would give is like, I, 
because I, I have the adopted children and, and for myself dealing with like mental illness and depression, I've had to educate myself a lot about uh, the diseases and the, the ways that you can improve your life while living with it. Um, one thing being like a behavioral cognitive therapy, basically replacing bad behaviors with good behaviors that are good for you instead of like indulging in bad behaviors that replicate bad cycles or good or bad structures that lead you down bad choices farther and farther. Mm -hmm. Um, but like as a gym owner that came in very helpful because I had some tools ready to, uh, provide some assistance or resources, um, instead of kind of being blindsided and being like, I don't know, man, (laughs) I don't know what to tell you to do there, but be willing to listen and not, not, not always having to have an answer. You don't Mm -hmm. always have to have one. Just, a lot of times people just want to complain about work, the drive, the <laughs> kids not listening. Um, and once they get it out there, it's done. You know, they've moved on. That's all they needed. Uh, but, you know, on the rare occasion where somebody needs some help, you know, just having a few things in your back pocket of like, well, what makes you feel that way? Or helping them sort of like th- trying not to tell someone what to do, but trying to help someone understand what they can do, I guess, is like the biggest tip. I think that that is a that's an amazing tip because I look at it from our relationship, right? You um, will sometimes message me something, ask me something about the gym, and about six percent of the time, I'll have an answer where I'm like, "Oh, I experienced this. Just do this." But about ninety four percent of the time, I say, "Huh, let's talk through it." And just having that, you know, just having that talk through generally it's you getting to that answer yourself, right? Mm -hmm. Very seldom is it me figuring it out and being like, oh, that's what, you know, that's what should be done. Usually it's just us talking through it. And just, I think part of it's just a comfort thing. You, you know, feel comfortable talking through it and bouncing ideas. And we share things of, oh, well, maybe we could try this or maybe that might not work or, you know, whatever. But I think just having that um, kind of mentorship, friendship, you know, because I have that same relationship with Kyle, um, when it comes to, you know, trying new stuff or if I ever have a question and it's sometimes he will have that answer on the top of his head more, uh, more than I do for sure. But, uh, a lot of times he just will talk through it and he'll say, well, you know, here are some options. What do you think you should do? And, yeah. um, and I, you think know, that, I, that I, I just not to cut you up, but I, I guess no, thinking good. about what you're talking is, a uh, trust, I, it, especially like with, uh, our group, like I refer to it as our tribes, um, mm-hmm. in jujitsu, but it, you have to really trust somebody if you're going to a lot, if you're willing to let them try to kill you, right? <laughs> like you're, you're putting an awful lot of blind faith in me that I'm going to stop doing whatever I'm doing to you. That's making you tap. And mm-hmm. that we have that little agreement, you know, maybe, maybe that's what makes it a little easier for some of us in, in, in the gym life. Dude, that is so true, too. I did a podcast with uh, Jamie Kilstein, and we were talking about it just a few days ago. The verbal contract or the, the, the contract that you sign when you slap bump, you know, yeah. you were literally saying like, hey, we're going to try to kill each other. And if you get me, I just I just trust you to let go as soon as I tap out. <laughs> oh, my God. Tyler Ross. <laughs> yes. <laughs> If it wasn't for us letting him go a couple times, he his kids might be growing up without a daddy. Yeah, Ross Tyler is who you. Meant, Ross Tyler, yeah, yeah. Yes, you got got him confused, but yes. Um, okay, so might as well just talk about this for a second. So I have a student. Um, he is a blue belt, he's a really really good guy. But there was this time. And this was amazing. This has never happened to me before. I've choked very few people unconscious, to be honest. I feel like I'm pretty good about applying things slow. And then the times that it have happened, it is 100% their fault. And here are two times that happened in the same week that are both Ross's fault. Um, I'm rolling with Ross, and I'm taking his back, and he starts thinking that I'm gonna. He's gonna like like shrug me off, and I start to fall to the side, and I get like that side Ezekiel choke. Right. Um, it's like probably the best way to explain it. And he doesn't tap to it and he passes out. Okay. So wakes up, you know, and he was like, and he like was out for like four or five seconds and he actually wakes up and says, Whoa, I think I was almost out there. And I was like, bro, you're, you were dead. Most of the people are out at dinner already. Like you were gone. Oh. 
And the second time, same week, I think that happened on a Wednesday. Then on Saturday, we're all training. We're doing rounds from stand-up. And Ross has been trying to play deep half guard at the time. He and I are going. He pulls half. He gets starts going deep. And I get a cross-collar grip. And I'm just like kind of laying on that. I'm just cross-collaring him. It's not, I'm not choking. I don't have like a cross-collar choke. Just one hand across. And he's digging under and he's digging under. And he's fighting so hard that he's choking himself like trying to dig under me instead of just letting his head turn and like, you know, giving up the pass or something. Yeah. He's like, you know, going to fight tooth and nail. Cause that's who he is. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, man, Ross, Ross stopped fighting a while ago. That was weird. And then I let go. And like, when we do rounds from standing at the old gym, it was just too small to do a bunch at once. So a bunch of people are sitting on the wall watching. And I like try to get in between Ross and the people on the wall. So they can't tell that I'm like, you know, trying to wake him up, but yeah, he was dead. He was, was that dead. the time you you went and rubbed on his chest, or you started pumping his legs? I think I was probably rubbing on his chest, and he woke up. I'm okay. thinking that was. Uh, I think yeah, I remember Ross, that would happen. Yeah, Ross is he is like the bad luck Brian of jujitsu. I when uh, were you there? I don't think you were there. I think this was this wouldn't have been that long ago, six months ago. Um, Christian was they were drilling. Okay, so Christian tries to do an Imanari roll, all right, and they're drilling this Imanari roll, and Ross leans down as Christian's leg swings, and Ross gets kicked in the head, and Ross starts bleeding like a faucet, like it was horrible, and um, yeah, it was a, it was, a, <laughs> it was really bad, um, and you know, you have people on their first night see this happen, and like. Of course, the fact of the matter is you've got guys like, you know, Justin and Eric who are brown belts. Justin actually just got his black belt, you know, that are still continuing to roll during this time. And so you have people on their one week trials like, oh, my gosh, this is how these people treat each other. We are that gym. Yes. And that is that is true. You know, your your entire audience just went. I don't know what parallel dimension I just stepped into, but I know none of these people in the story or hold any relevancy to how this is pertaining to anything. No, I think that they, they understand like every little story is a clip into, um, for lack of a better term, the ghetto-ness of the gym and, and of our team. Um, that is probably, that's probably the best word that I can use, um, for that. Mm. We just have a, very different team, but I think people have that in jujitsu. I think a lot of people have like that's kind of the fun thing about jujitsu is your brotherhood. Um, it's it's different for each gym, right? Mm. Um, it's different for each group that you go into. You have some that are super proper, and that's what they love. They love that structure. Some have absolutely no structure at all, um, and it's like the wild west, and that's head not HQ. And you know what I mean. And so you get yeah. like. You just get that difference, and that's one of the things that people, um, you know, love about jujitsu. I got you. Okay, so I got I got a question for you. I know normally when you're on the podcast, you don't get to ask a question, but if you if you'll indulge me a little bit, I, I you have can one. ask whatever you want. Uh, okay, except for that. Except for okay, that. all right. So, from your perspective, like you're what five years or six years in at uh, HQ now? I am. I'm not five. Am I? Am I five? I think you're five. You, I mean, you gotta be close. I thought it was no, no, no. I thought it was sixteen, right? Or no, no, no. It was uh, fifteen November of two thousand fifteen. So we're at uh, four and four and three quarters. Yeah, yeah, that sounds right. Four and a half. Sorry. Four and a half. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So you're at four and a half years in. Uh, you're one year into being a, a a co-owner of your second gym. So you have two gyms. So you're at twelve years jujitsu math. But like as you're kind of growing out of it, like I brought it up a couple times with you, and we've talked, but like having me start with you and help you kind of like get the kids program going, helping just having a reliable source there. And then having me leave all of a sudden, because you guys decided to help do this. And then now like you've got a black belt and a couple more stacked up behind that one. Like, how's that feel to you from your perspective? Like, is it, has it been that quick? Has it been, does it feel like it's taken the right amount of time? What's that been like? Huh? Um, that's tough. I, I, I don't, I don't know, man. I think. Cause I, I know you like the vision board and all that stuff. And like I five do, years I, ago, you're like, did you see this plan fall out this way? Or are you like, 
so delightfully surprised at how well it's come together. I am super, super surprised and, and very delightfully surprised. Had you have asked me um, even three years ago where I thought we would be at, I had hopes of where we would be at, but I didn't, um, you know, I didn't know for sure. And I just really didn't know how we would get there. Honestly, there was a point um, at our gym that I felt like, and I feel like this happens a lot of gyms. Um, it's about a 50 to 60 um, student like limbo that you get in. And a lot of gyms stay there forever. And, um, and it's really, really tough. And so we stayed there. We, I literally, I bet you we were in that 50 to 60 mark for like two years. And so, you know, you're getting growth and it, it seems exciting, but it seems like every time, you know, you gain two, you lose one, and then baseball season will come and all the kids that are in baseball have to stop training. And so you just take these hits and it was, it's, it can be very frustrating. You know, I'm a pretty positive person, so I probably get discouraged less than most, but I still would, would get really discouraged with it. Cause I'm like, man, this is just not. It's not going the way that I want. And I think one of the biggest reasons that it happens in looking back at it is because at that 50 to 60 mark, you're making enough money to pay all your bills. You're making enough money to pay yourself. But in order to really break that plateau for most people, you have to spend money. You have to go out and that is you know, like you want to hold on to that, you know, you're making, you know, whatever you're making a, a certain amount of money. And you're like, man, I can't spend this because this is what I'm living off of. Right. And risk, so yeah. exactly. And going out and taking that risk. Um, you know, I bought a few courses on marketing, like through Facebook, you know, we did some stuff through Facebook, then ended up hiring a marketing team and doing these things really increased the gym so much. And so now, like a year ago, when I started to see those increases, I was like, oh my gosh, you know, finally we have something figured out, right? It took years of trial and error, but then you look at the beauty of it and it was something when we opened Jerseyville, we can implement immediately, mm -hmm. right? And so, you know, if you look at Jerseyville's numbers compared to what we were in the first year, Jerseyville has, you know, maybe uh a third of the amount of people and the population um, in it, but they have, you know, the gym has twice as much as we did within the first year. And, you know, so you look at that and you really see that like, you know, how much, how important it is to have systems that work, you know? And um, so the, the moral of the story is hire professionals first, save yourself time and money later. I think, I don't know. <laughs> I think you do it in, in steps. I think, I really think that it's important because a lot of times people think like, oh, I'll just throw money and I'll just hire these people, you know, like um, for, you know, for a gym, let's say a gym, it's the easiest thing to explain it with. But like I'll just hire a marketing team and then they're going to take care of it and then I'll hire a bunch of trainers and they're going to take care of it. But the problem is it becomes so you become so um, disconnected with that. You don't know anything about marketing, so you don't know if your marketing is actually working. I always am of the um, idea, I'm not a do-it-yourselfer. I'm a do-it-yourselfer at first, and then you hire somebody to do it. You know, you get as far as you can go with something. Like I did with Facebook marketing. I tried to learn it myself, and I did. And then I started learning, whoa, Facebook's algorithms are changing each month. Facebook's rules are changing each month. If I don't want to make this my full-time job, the, the Facebook marketing, then I should hire somebody at this point. But now that I knew that, I was able to look at who I was hiring and say, hey, I know something about this. I know more than this guy does about Facebook marketing. Yeah, you're not going to get, uh, not swindled, but if somebody's trying to explain their concept to you of what they're trying to do and it doesn't make sense, you could be like, that doesn't make sense because you're educated <laughs> enough on both your business or your market and what you're what you're trying to accomplish with the advertising. Yes, and so that is the short answer um, is to you know five years ago did I have any idea that the gyms would be where they are? Uh, no, not not really. Um, you know, I I think I think I just but I think we did it in small bites instead mm -hmm. of you know one big course. It was like. 
it, it wasn't like, hey, this is our five-year goal. It was like, hey, man, let's just get three months from now. Let's aim to have this many students. Three months from now, let's aim to figure out a curriculum a little bit better. You know, let's aim to, you know, and just doing those short goals, I think, um, made it, you know, just happen um, slowly. Mm-hmm. And you didn't even realize it was happening, right? It just became something. As the as you were kind of doing it, was it weird when I was like, did it seem like I was being pushy to try to help? Like, or was that one of those things like you were hoping people would try to help? Because I know yeah. like some people are super, they want to keep it controlled and the fidelity high, but you know, they want to have everything to do with everything and it's all them. What's your take? So, and I mean, you know, this from, you know, being around me is I will pretty much let anybody help with anything. Anybody that that offers interest, I feel like that's, I think that's actually just a talent of mine is looking at people and being able to, um, you know, kind of find their gifting of what they're good at. Right. And so, you know, and probably not even helping them sharpen that maybe trying to put other people that complement um, their weaknesses together, but just kind of, you know, being able to see that. And one of the biggest things I always look at when I'm looking for somebody to help with something is just a willingness. If there is somebody that has a willingness to help, a willingness to be a jujitsu coach, to be um, an instructor and doesn't have the talent to do it, I would much rather deal with that person than somebody that has a talent to do it and doesn't want to do it. Right. (laughs) It's so much harder to deal with people that, you know, it's not a big deal or they, they don't want to do it for the wrong reasons. Right. They are like, Hey, I want to teach a class because then, you know, I can pay for my membership that way or that way I can make a little money, you know, but compared to the guys are like, man, I want to teach a class so I can learn how to teach so I can then help people. And then I can, you know, you know, have a jujitsu school. Those people are so much better to work with, uh, in those situations. So if somebody asked me and I feel like, man, they have motives. Um, even if I, and I never really feel super threatened about like, you know, Oh, well they might take what I teach them and open a gym. You know what I mean? Um, because ideally I can kill them. Right. Uh, so that's the, you know, that's why I don't really worry about that. No, no. It's just like, I don't know. I just don't, I don't really, I don't think of competition as a negative thing. You know what I mean? It would like, there's no way I would be as good in jujitsu as I am if I didn't have guys that I was competing against. Right. And so, you know, business, I don't think is any different. Yeah. I'm with you. I I like your point too, of like, uh, finding someone who's good at it may not be the best person to like show it. It's that, that aptitude, like you can teach a skill set. You can't teach the ability to like want someone to do something. Yeah, man. And, and, you know, and you've, you know, I think we've been around jujitsu long enough to see guys that are like that that really are truly gifted you know but they just they they don't they don't care enough or they don't want it enough that you know that's why you know whatever you know quote unquote their goals don't really come into fruition right um and then we've seen people that are not gifted and they are just they they're just willing to put in everything they're just like what you know i don't care you know i don't care that i'm not yeah i mean let let's take for example you at 145 you know what are you 150 yeah 146 right now yeah okay so yeah 146 and 39 years old you know um and it for, for you like it doesn't you know are you if you were building the perfect jujitsu coach would you build you maybe god uh, yes but it would be me from like if i hadn't taken that five-year hiatus you know what i mean like that's that's the only thing i wish like i wish i had time back the one thing you can't get Mm -hmm. but then you look but you look at a guy who is just absolutely willing to just try right like absolutely willing to just go out and be like hey this is important to me this is what i care about um, I think that that is so much more important than anything else is having a desire. Um, it, in I referred to the Jamie Kilstein podcast I just did. He was talking about Marcelo, and they were um, he was saying that there was an interview with Marcelo, and they asked him, "Hey, why are you so good at jujitsu?" And he said, "Oh, it's just because I love it more than everybody else does." Yeah, you know? and that was you know that was his reason. You know, he's like, you know, it's not because he's the best athlete. It's not because of anything. It's just because you know. 
he loved it so much that he dedicated his life to it. And that's like how I think anything, um, you know, those are the people that you want to be around. There's people that just have a passion for it. Um, yeah, it's infectious, man. When people are around you, they can tell that you love jujitsu. They like hearing you talk about it. There's that uh, sense of like, man, it's really cool to have be around somebody who thinks something that is this cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we are all nerds that love jujitsu this much, right? That dedicate this much time to jujitsu. But that's okay. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Everybody's um, got their own coping. Exactly. Okay. So um, just getting a little bit back to, you know, what we were uh, originally talking about, which was just like kind of starting the gym, right? You start mm -hmm. the gym um, and just to give guys a, a little bit of a, um, a little bit of like a introduction of what it might be like to start a gym what would you describe like the first six months as? Well, for me, stressful. Yeah. Uh, not, not because, uh, things weren't ready. The gym wasn't ready or anything like that. It was, it was more in my head. Um, the people refer to it as like the imposter syndrome. Like I was, a gosh, what was I, I was a purple belt when we launched. Yeah. yeah. Once tried purple belt. You gave me the second stripe, like the, the first time you came up that month. Mm -hmm. uh, but it was, it, it was just like worrying that I was teaching, right. I was showing people real jujitsu, like, and there were times where I would be, I teach something and then a week or two later, I'd be watching people roll. I'm like, Jesus, I am doing something very wrong. Yeah. Like, how do they not know how to, what am I missing here? You know? But again, like when you become a teacher, you, you really learn a lot about jujitsu and how to teach it to different people because everybody learns something differently. Yeah. And so, you know, you start to kind of get that transition as you, um, you know, as you progress as a teacher and as you, the biggest thing is like, it's very hard to teach a big group of brand new people, mm -hmm. um, you know, because they you can, they can get away with doing so much wrong. And so, um, like having guys like, um, you know, you have like Josh Stevens, right. Who is really tough. And you have Dane who's good. And, um, wait, don't you have two Dane? You have, yeah, you have two Danes. Got Squirrely and got Dane. Yeah. Which and I got Nathan. Crazy. Yeah. What is it? Yeah. Which are, what, 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 who, 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 what gym would have two Danes? That's so many Danes. I didn't How realize it was that popular of a name. God, what did we have, like nine Mikeys at your gym at one time? <laughs> we did. We did. Um, but okay, so so like having that many new people at once, um, that was an interesting thing. So for me, what happened at, let's see, we opened in April. So April, May, June, July, August. August, I was rolling with one of the, not new guys, but my, one of my guys that had been there for a while. And... I wasn't thinking uh, anything about it. And he tried to do an escape. And I'm assuming it's nothing that I had taught, but I had responded wrong. I, I tried to stay on top and I should have taken the role, but I didn't. But I ended up like ripping part of my like rotator cuff. Mm -hmm. You know, whole arm was dead until mm -hmm. about mm, probably January where, where it's now I feel like I can actually use it again. But like, I don't know why my ego kicked in or why I thought I had to stay on top. But it's like, <laughs> man, Logan. You're older. These guys are stronger. They want it more. And I mean, being an upper belt, you know, they want to succeed at, at showing that they can do the technique or try something new that they learned on someone that is competent, I guess. But, mm -hmm. you know, I, I wish I would have taken that role bad. I wish <laughs> I had just rolled. <laughs> that was, I think that that can be, that can be a tough thing as a, as a coach is like, getting guys to a point because your your whole goal is to get to guys better, yeah. yeah to get guys better than you in less time that it took you right mm -hmm. and so you know like yeah. that's you know that's those are your two things that you're trying to do you're trying to make them better than you and do it faster than it took you and so i think it's so um it's so hard when that actually happens and you're like you know this freaking punk, he's been training for three years and he's all over me right now. I'm, I hate this guy. I'm, I'm kicking him out of the gym. Well, and, and like the mentality, the, the, the mindset. So 
when I'm just, I'm at, when I'm at your gym, when I was your student, what happened to me had zero effect on you guys, like you and mm-hmm. Steve directly. Me being the operator up here for you guys and manager and teacher, if if my body gets dorked where I can't teach or operate, it affects you guys. So that was a whole new perspective and a different way for me to think about like how I had to go about a teaching and protecting myself and two defining my goals on how I got better. You know, maybe it isn't getting a 200 submission mark in a month. It's not getting hurt or doing something only to my dumb side. You know, I mean, there's just, it's a different way to, like you say, set goals. Mm -hmm. It really is. And a different way to win. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, just before uh, we always we always finish these episodes the same way. But before we get into that, um, just had kind of like one more question, one more thought. Um, but what do you feel like it was better for you? Um, you know, because this is kind of what I've pushed, I've hinted towards on the podcast for people that think about opening their own gym. Do you think feel like it was a better situation for you because you? were teaching at our gym first? Um, I definitely, I, I 100% feel like uh, if you want to teach, like your goal is like mine and like, I want to have a great gym. I want to have a huge student base, maybe someday create a, a world champion, who knows, but I want to have competent, good people making good jujitsu. Then I definitely think you should talk to your coach at, at your gym and, let them know that so that you can practice. You need to practice teaching because you need to get to exposed to like all the random questions that, you know, you're going to get and learning to not have to have the answers and being able to quote unquote tap dance. Like, what do you do when you're have somebody pull a gun on you? Uh, run, <laughs> run in a serpentine pattern. You know, I mean, yeah. you just, just that exposure and like learning how to teach something to other people's perspective was like a big thing for me. Like you got every gym has their own, like a uh, hidden rule set or secret rules of like how you progress through the chain and like come up and, you know, get promoted to the upper belt colors and things like that. And like, for me, it's not a hidden thing for me. It's, you know, you want to eventually be the purple belts and Browns. It's like, you, I feel like you should have to do a little instruction just because it helps you be a better uh, person at jujitsu yourself because you learn to see the the moves and everything from a whole different perspective than just your own. Mm-hmm. What do you feel like someone should do if they went to their coach and, you know, had that maybe at that, let's just say a purple belt, but sometimes gyms are having people teach at blue belt, you know, and, uh, uh but if they went to their coach and their coach, um, whether they feel like it's because their coach feels threatened or anything like that, but their coach is like, no, you can't teach. Um, I know this will seem controversial, but, uh, I would say you probably should find a new gym cause it's not the gym for you. If that's yeah. your goal to teach, you know, get, and the instructor showing signs that, you know, it feels like you're taking their kingdom or whatever, then yeah, that you're not going to succeed at that goal or what you're after. So you need to you need to look for a new home. Yeah. I think that that's probably, I honestly think that's probably the best answer too, is, uh, it, as much as you never want to like encourage people like, Hey, you should leave where you're at, but sometimes like, it's, it's like a bad relationship. Thing. You don't, you don't know you're in it until, unless maybe somebody points it out from the outside. Like, Hey, mm-hmm. you keep talking about how you wanted to be a teacher and open your gym, but you also complained about how you never got to do this or, or you know, whatever yeah. the example could be. That is, that is, I think that's really true. I think that, uh, happens with too many people and, um, it kind of hurts them on that point. So then they're forced into the situation where, then they're a brown belt or even a black belt, and then they're going to go and go off on their own. They have no teaching experience, and then they still have to leave their gym. You know, they still have to, you know, because they're – Yeah, I mean, they're, they're – well, I mean, it's like uh, you giving me the ability to teach helped give me the tool set I needed to succeed here for, you know, the gym. Yeah, I mean, if you get your black belt or decide to go open your gym at blue belt, purple belt, you know, whatever – you to think that if you've never taught or had that experience that you'll be successful at it, that that is a bit of an unhealthy thought mechanism that you're yeah. showing. Yeah, and I mean, and like for us, giving you the ability to teach was the same reason that like parents pay for college just to get you out of here. You know, what I mean, I was like just leave, Logan. Just yeah, just 
yeah, you can teach whatever classes you want. Just get out of my gym. Oh my God. <laughs> Dude. I mean, okay. So like, is it jokingly? Yeah. I, I, I totally know that, uh, you guys wanted me to succeed and that's why you did it. But as a depressed person, like that depressed voice in your head, sometimes like that imposter syndrome voice, that's what'll like play with you sometimes. Like, yeah, you know, that's why they let you teach and they gave you and they helped you open the gym and where you live and made it so nice so they could get rid of you. Yeah. That and like was you, it. you think about that for a second and you're like, Oh, you, you depress the voice. You're stupid. Go back in your box. Yeah. And then you, then you ask yourself, man, wonder what Josh is doing teaching the kids classes right now. Yeah. Make Emily do it. <laughs> um, yes, that, that is true. I do do that, but we are going to go ahead. And if it's okay with you, we're going to play a little game. Take it or leave it. We are going to play, take it or leave it. So I know, you know how the game works for the people listening at home that do not know how the game works. Game works like this. I'm going to make a statement. Logan is going to have the option to either take it or leave it. Take it means he agrees. Leave it means he disagrees. And then we'll probably discuss uh, his answers. All right. So are you ready? Let's do it. Okay. So this is always, this is always the question. This is the most important question that you'll probably ever be asked, but definitely the most important question you'll be asked on the podcast. Take it or leave it. Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Hmm. <laughs> yes, I, I 100% agree. I, but my, I have to say, my favorite holiday uh, Christmas movie is Gremlins. Gremlins. So you're you're taking that Gremlins is also a Christmas movie. Oh yeah. It it I, it by far. I I think if you wanted to make the comparison that Die Hard is a Christmas movie, you have to be in the camp that Gremlins is also a Christmas movie. I'll, I, I like it, man. I, um, I literally was arguing back and forth on a Facebook post last night with Ezra Lennon and his, his argument was, well, well then gremlins is a Christmas movie too. And I was like, okay. Agreed. Yeah. Don't quit me with a good time. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So next, next, take it or leave it, take it or leave it. St. Louis style pizza is the best pizza. Are we talking like emos or are we talking about someplace else? Ooh, okay. Let's say this. This is kind of how I, you know, because I always like to do um, like mellow mushroom. I mean, ooh, come on. Ooh. You got you to you tell me where we're going here before I say. Okay, let's say, let's say emos versus other pizza chains. Uh, yeah, I'll go emos. Okay. I like it. Okay. So that's, yeah, that's kind of, I always try to include something food wise from where the person is. Uh, like it, where the person lived, right? So, for tried, example, you tried throwing yeah. toasted ravioli at people yet? Because I hear that's like a St. Louis original as well. I it is a St. Louis original, but I, I feel like less people know about to, well, probably very few people know about St. Louis style pizza, except for the people that listen to this podcast because we talk about it all the time. Uh, toasted ravioli is also delicious, um, and also while we're on it, St. Louis style uh, bread sliced bagels are the best way to eat a bagel. And uh, that mm-hmm. offends people, but it's true. Oh, it's so easy to like dip it into whatever you want and then just... Oh, exactly. Think about, you just get way more, cream, way more cream cheese in your body too, man. Yeah, that's better for you. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. Okay. So, take it or leave it. Steve McKinney is the coolest of the McKinney's. Agreed. I agree he is the coolest. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, I, I'm open to arguments. But go ahead. I'm just, I'm just saying, I'm a much cooler guy. I mean, think about like my hair is cooler than his. You know, uh, I'm. But, but that's I, like saying the chicken before the egg. I mean, he had to be cool before you could be cool, right? That's, I, I guess, if you look at it like that, that makes sense. You know, but I still <laughs> think I'm much cooler than him. Um, okay. All right. So last, take it or leave it. Here we go. Take it or leave it. Night one that we all come back from the quarantine will have an over 25% injury rate. All on Dylan. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Dylan will have every single one of them. I'm guaranteeing that there will be broken bones, torn shoulders, and ACLs the day that people come back because everyone's going to feel like they can come back as hard as they had trained six weeks before and it doesn't work like that 
Oh God, no, man. I, I, yeah, I feel you. Uh, what I have to say one last story because it made me think of like the weirdest thing that ever happened while instructing, uh, was at your gym before it was like right before we came up here and opened, uh, I was teaching a no-gi class. I had Dylan in there and he was going with uh, Nathan, my blue belt up here before he was a blue belt. And this is the one where he got swept against the wall and dislocated his finger. I have never seen a finger bent like all back like that. And he's like, hey, Logan, can can you fix that? I go, yeah, why not? And, had, and did oh, you just man. pull it? Oh, yeah. I set that finger straight and he just goes, <laughs> oh, and knees go limp. Oh, my God. That was, oh, that was the strangest thing I think I... So yeah, okay, gym owners, uh, gold key laser tip. Look into some basic first aid physiology, like how to set a finger, how to set a, a joint or something like that, how to stop a bloody nose, and always keep rubber gloves. Yeah, see, anytime somebody breaks something or injures something at my gym, I always just push them outside and like, hey, it's not my problem. I'm not trying to get sued. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I'm not a licensed medical professional. Um, we actually all did have to... Uh, pop eric hubner's kneecap back in one time it was horrible that was uh yeah i wasn't down for that one but he was like uh my kneecap popped out uh you guys have to, yeah Spot you guys on. have to uh you guys have to put it back for me and i was like uh are you sure and i'm like why is your kneecap on your shin <laughs> what's going on and um yeah but we got it we got it taken care of it was good it toughened him up oh man all right, so last question, and this is always the question we finish with. So I am at a Logan Wayne jiu-jitsu seminar, and there's question and answer, and I am a blue belt, brand-new blue belt, and I raise my hand, and I say, Logan, how do I suck less at jiu-jitsu? What is your answer? Matt time. Matt time and a micro goal. You know, uh, by micro goal, I mean pick, pick a, a bad position, that you don't like or a position that you don't have an attack from that you know of and spend an entire month in it and try to either come up with a submission that works for you or a sweep so that you're not stuck there in a non-defensive like cap capacity. Um, or uh, for me, it was like forcing myself to like a use a guillotine uh, or be in a position where I could not lock up close guard. I had mm -hmm. to be able to think on my feet and it, and it forced me to develop that game and be comfortable with, you know, the, the Hicks and Gracie quote, you know, be comfortable with uncomfortable positions. Mm -hmm. I mean, that, that, that is the best way I know of to like create any kind of explosive growth, whether it's in jujitsu or in life, like putting yourself outside of a comfort zone of any kind will help you regardless. That, that is a good answer. I like it. All right, man. Well, thank you so much for being on. Is there anything you want to say to finish? Um, Hopefully the quarantine's all over by the time this comes out and we've all made it to the other side and we're laughing. Ha ha ha. But, uh, if not, you know, Hey, you know, uh, we're still going to have to try to get through it. Remember to check on people and, uh, you know, just try to keep a positive attitude and focus on what you can control, not what you can't, you know, that's the best way to kind of keep a grasp on what's going on. That's good, man. Thank you so much for being on. Thank you, man, for having me on. I'll talk to you later. And that is the episode i hope you guys enjoyed that episode i uh i love talking to logan and i uh, love having a good relationship with some of my students i have a few other people that i will have on the podcast soon that are my coaches or or people that kind of trained up with me because uh, i really enjoy doing those type of episodes those are like my personal personally they're they're the most fun episodes for me uh not just because I have to do way less research because I know the people, but also because it's just fun talking to your buddies, you know, and uh, it's fun getting to, you know, ask your, a lot of times it's very uncommon to sit down and just ask your friends deep questions about jujitsu and about life and stuff like that. And it's really fun to get to hear your friend's opinion on it. And so that's what I've been doing a lot lately with uh, a lot of these episodes because these are my buddies, you know, that I'm recording with and I'm chatting with and so that's why I've enjoyed doing that uh, but I hope that you guys enjoyed that episode I hope you guys got something out of it don't forget today's episode was brought to you by the triangle escape plan which is absolutely free and bjjsucks.com which is where you can get the triangle escape plan so be sure to check those out and be sure to have a good rest of your week it's Monday 
get excited. Have a good week, man. Even if you can't train still, um, like us, uh, figure out a way to to do something productive. Like if you were to look on bjjsucks.com slash blog, I think it's slash blog. We'll just click the blog button. But I made a blog post about 10 things to do during quarantine. And uh, it's definitely in the top two blog posts that I've ever made. So that's, that's saying something. But that is all I have for you guys today. I hope you guys have a great rest of your week. I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. I hope you guys will share it, like it, tell me about it, which is the most important thing to me. Send me a message. I love hearing from you guys uh, and getting feedback. But mostly, more important than any of that, I hope that you guys suck just a little bit less at jujitsu.